Hey, welcome everyone. I am Jason Kern, the Assistant Head of School for Innovation and Learning at All Saints Fiscal School in Tyler, Texas, here with my co-host, co-host Mike Cobb, Head of School. And today on our first episode, we are talking with Matt Scully from Providence Day School. And so let me give you a little history about uh, the All Saints Sandbox before we jump in. Um, Mike and I always talk about the in-between times at conferences. We talk about how we love to go to conferences and we love the sessions and we love those pieces, but so many times when we come back, what we talk about is those in-between times, those times between sessions and all of the insights we've got from sitting around with like-minded uh, colleagues talking about you know, unscripted things, just what's going on in their world, what's going on in, our, on in our world, and how much we really appreciate that. And so that's what spawned Sandbox and really brought it back, because as we thought about it, we thought about, Okay, that's kind of like the playground when we were in elementary school. And the swing set, you know, it, it had structure. You had certain things that you could do in certain places. And everybody knows that the playing field, it had an unspoken hierarchy of uh, needs there, right? But the sandbox was just this place that you could come, you could hang out, you could be yourself, and you could just chat and hang out. And so that spawned the sandbox, and this has spawned sandbox chat. So um, let me toss it over to Mike, and uh, what are you passionate about about this sandbox? Well, I mean, it, first of all, that is exactly it. So it's a place for us to play, and I think too many times as adults, we forget that we need to do that as well. And we don't consider always these conversations or these times we're sharing what we're passionate about with others to play, but it is that for me. And then many times I'd be pondering things that I'm kind of working through in my mind as I talk to other passionate leaders, hearing their thoughts and what they were pondering led to adjacent possibilities for me and for our school when I realized like they'd already worked through something I hadn't quite yet. And then hopefully I gave them a few thoughts that maybe they were still working through. And it left me energized. It left me excited and it helped me create things that I wouldn't be able to create by myself. And to me, that's the spirit of the sandbox is us co-creating together. And so we have now done our three iterations of the sandbox here at, at All Saints Episcopal School in Tyler, we brought leaders from all over the world together to share in that experience. And we're excited now to bring it to this sandbox chat where we can continue to talk with folks about what they're passionate about and hopefully create those adjacent possibilities for all of you who are listening at home. Well, let's, let me, uh, I, I like to refer to Matt as the wizard of Providence Day School, but I'm sure that that probably isn't your exact title. Um, well, what is your cool exact title? And uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Matt, for those that don't yet know you. Perfect, yeah. So um, I am the director of digital integration and innovation. And uh, Derek Willard, who's the head of school down at Augusta, gave me that job or title when he was here. Um, I believe he stole it from ESPN. It's a title that he saw one night uh, when they were getting into the mobile platforms and stuff. But um, it kind of captures what I do here. Um, we we look at how we can integrate the tools into the environment and the community to get the best possible outcomes. And then we're always looking at how we can kind of leverage new opportunities. Um, and, and so those are kind of the the two pieces, managing the technology and and then uh, looking for integration opportunities and, and then looking at all of our systems and ways to look for new tweaks, new possibilities um, and new ways we can basically grow as a community. So um, been here about 21 years and, and uh, it's fun to, to be able to continually grow with the community, but also be responsible for sparking new stuff and new places. 
It does sound like wizardry to me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, as we talk about here uh, on Sandbox Chat, you know, we're going to start off with just because there's so many things that I think about when when I would want to talk to Matt about, and um, I would drive the conversation and, and things that I'm interested in. And that's not what I wanted to do. It's not what this is about. So really, I wanted to toss it to you, Matt, and say, what are you pondering? What passions are you pondering about right now in this time and this crazy time? And we're kind of going through a phase of, of uh, we've gone through the struggle, we've seen some successes, and now we may be struggling or succeeding again. So really, what's on your mind? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, yeah, the term that I keep tripping over uh, over the last couple of weeks in different webinars and conversations is kind of this idea of escape velocity. Um, how, how are we going to kind of pull ourselves out of this, you know, pandemic teaching and then the things that we're doing now? And at first when I heard it, I really envisioned like firing up the rockets as fast as you can and trying to build up as much speed as you can, as quickly as you can. And then it started dawning on me that, that maybe it's a little bit more like some of the sci-fi movies where you have to make a couple passes, get an elliptical orbit going and build up speed slowly to actually launch out of that in a way that's doesn't use up all your fuel and doesn't kind of wear you down or, or, you know, get you out of orbit, but you don't have any fuel left to kind of steer the ship. So um, right now my passion is thinking about, well-being on a couple different levels, community well-being, student well-being, and, and faculty well-being. And, and on the days that I'm being super generous, I'm also thinking about leadership well-being. Um, you know, that, like our leaders are really fatigued right now because they've been doing a ton over all this. Um, but so is everybody. So, so kind of that's where my head is right now, thinking about these different pieces. Um, and it's fun as we've gotten in Charlotte, at least, back to where numbers are a little bit better, um, where we're trending in a little bit, we're opening things up a little bit. Tonight starts the, um, our high school football season is over. We, we actually got ours in, but, but the public school football season is actually starting tonight. And it just happens to coincide with the governor lifting some of the restrictions. So I think we can have like 250, 300 people in an outdoor stadium now. So, you know, like watching these things start to happen as we get kind of closer to what's familiar, I'm really curious about the things that we learned during the pandemic. And, and, you know, the, the key areas for me are tools and instruction. You know, what, what are we doing? Cause like our faculty, the learning curve was phenomenal. The things that they're pulling off are amazing. Um, they're using them in a, in a particular set of circumstances that, that may not actually be the circumstances that, are going to continue to be. So how do we take what we've learned about what works and what doesn't work and then leverage that to make it better tomorrow? The other piece is engagement. Like we've learned, I think a ton about student engagement and what students get energized by and what, how, how that engagement leads to good um, retention and learning and that kind of stuff. And where engagement sometimes is, you know, empty calories. Well, I, I got you engaged, but we had a great conversation, but I don't know that we got a whole lot done in, in relation to our curriculum. And then finally, what did we learn about, again, back to well-being, like the, the idea of connecting and how often we need to connect and when do we have to connect and, and what ways are meaningful to connect. 
Um, my daughter's in her first official year of, of teaching. She's a third grade teacher in the public school systems up in Hillsborough, North Carolina. Uh, what a way to start, right? Um, yeah. But but she just started having kids back on campus this week. And, and on, so on Monday and Tuesday, she had students in the classroom. And on Wednesday and Thursday, they were remote again. But, but she said it was stark. The difference between being the, the students that had been fully remote and the students that had come into class and then the engagement in the remote situation again with just two in-person meetings, those students that came on Monday and Tuesday in person were amazingly more engaged on Wednesday and Thursday. So again, th this idea that, and not that I'm promoting remote learning for third graders, but, but like, are there models of learning, especially with our older students, where the idea that we meet every day in person, does, do we suddenly gain flexibility? Do we gain new instructional models that allow us to meet fairly routinely and in different ways? Um, so I'm really curious about a lot of those pieces that, that are coming out of um, what's been probably my least favorite, you know, 18 months of, well, it feels like 18 months. It hasn't even been a year yet, right? Like I'm, I'm making this longer than it. It is next week or something. It's yes. like it's it's. We went on spring break. I guess two weeks from now, and then we never came back, right? And so that's kind of my moniker for for that year. I mean, we really are closing in on a year uh, of living through this. So as I think about what you're what you're talking about and and that idea of escape velocity, and especially as I think about that in relation to that that booster rocket versus that centrifugal force and, and heading out. I think that as I look at the tools of instruction and I think about we booster rocketed a lot of tools of instruction, right? We took it and we sent it out into space, right? But we burned a lot of things up in that process. And so as you look at it and is that is that we're coming back down and hopefully now we're gonna we're gonna be more planful in those tools of instruction, as you look around your school, what do you think in that realm, the tools of instruction are the things that your teachers are really going to grasp onto and they're going to improve their pedagogy going forward? So, yeah, I, I'm really excited to see when we get all of our students back in the classroom. Um, the, the tools that faculty have started using to help illustrate learning, like to make learning more tangible and visible and active. Um, Will, will we continue to leverage those tools in the classroom? Our teachers weren't necessarily novices when it came to using, you know, smart boards and iPads and that kind of stuff. But, but the idea of creating learning artifacts and, and models and, and opportunities to demonstrate the learning on different screens in different ways has suddenly grown tremendously. So I'm really curious about the different subject areas and where we continue to leverage tools. Um, our science department was pretty good with doing some things like around flipped learning where they'd make some videos and that was kind of your homework and you'd come into class and be more active. But now everybody's had a taste of making videos and, you know, everybody's also had a long enough period of time doing that where they went from the, you know, seven takes getting the perfect video mm -hmm. to the, okay, I'm making seven of these videos. So if I misspeak, we're not re-recording. We're just going to say, I'm sorry, guys, I, I misspoke. Let me, let me try it again. To where we, we're producing content in a more sustainable way. So I'm really curious about how those things continue. And then, I mean, there's just so many neat things that people are starting to play with as far as online tools that they've found um, 
different types of formative assessment, different opportunities for kids to check in. I've got a couple of teachers that are just using Google Forms as an opening class check-in. So it's a quick way for them to take attendance. The kids come in, open their iPad, they, there's a Google Form. They check in, they tell the teacher how they're feeling, they tell the teacher what they're thinking about, and they answer maybe a question about yesterday's content. But the teacher's gaining a little bit of knowledge about the kids, taking attendance, having interactions with kids, and, and, but without the teacher having to be at their computer taking a, you know, physical attendance kind of thing. So just simple things like that where we're gaining the opportunity to ask kids, how you doing today? Yeah. And then 10, 15 minutes into class as they begin working, the teacher goes back and looks down the list and says, wow, I've got three kids in this room that rated themselves on a scale of one to seven as a two. Now I know I'm going to go check in with them and see how things are going. Like, that's just a quick little simple thing that, that I think could actually make a rather significant difference in the course of that kid's year that the teacher will check in with me because I had an opportunity to say I'm pissed today or I'm yeah. not feeling good today or I didn't get breakfast, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, Matt, it's interesting. We were just having this conversation with our team last week uh, talking about we really didn't know if we would actually have our school uh, in compliance with doing a wellness check every morning. You know, to, to truly ask families every day before you get your kids out of uh, your car, you have to have them tell us how their health is doing, that you check the temperature, and then they're good to go for the day. I mean, we really, we, we would have thought we could never ask that in, in a yeah. pre situation. Now we've done it. We have 100% compliance. So we were talking last week about let's not let that go. We've got our parents trained now. Next year, instead of it being do they have a fever or do they have this, why don't we ask them to, to discuss how they their child feels or if there's something going on, even maybe to pass it down to at different, uh, you know, for different divisions to the student themselves. Because we've got people that have it now. So what are those things that we have been able to do that might have seemed impossible pre-pandemic that might be able to benefit from. And of course, the other side of that, what are the things that we're doing now that we have to do during pandemic that we want to make sure we jettison before re-entry, right? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I think that's the other piece is not just what do we want to get rid of, but like why? Yeah. And, and I know some of it seems so obvious, but I really want to lead people through conversations about why was that so horrible? Because mm -hmm. if we understand why it's so horrible, I think it helps us emphasize what we value and, yeah. and then have a better sense of, okay, if these are our targets, if this is what we value, if this is why that was so bad, then, then what are we doing to make sure we hold true to those things that we value mm -hmm. um, that we don't get quote unquote, so busy again, that some of those things start falling off the plate. That's right. Yes. I mean, I think about it as we go through that design thinking process that we've all gone through and all studied and you come up with those design drivers, right? I think that as, as you talk about what you just described there is, is what are those design drivers of our perfect classroom now? I think we've more defined here are things that, that worked really well, here are things that didn't work really well. But if we just leave it, like you said, in those tangible, this is exactly, I'm not going to um, video conference every day anymore. Well, yeah. But what's the design driver behind that? What is the reason behind that you don't want to do that anymore? Yeah, talk yeah. About? I was going to say the empathetic question, you know, when teachers say, I don't like Zoom. Well, it's not that you don't like Zoom. It's, it's, it's a thing. What, what do you not like about some of your Zoom experiences? Well, I don't like that I couldn't get this engagement or I couldn't get that. And I think those questions you're asking about will then drive, well, then how do you get that? How will you attain that in the classroom? And that is a powerful push for all of us as educators. Yeah, and, and, and then the rare moments when you did get engagement, when you were 
when you had a Google meet and suddenly kids are popping up and, and participating and kids you haven't heard from in two days are suddenly chiming in, like, what did you do? Right. right? I mean, we have our center for the art and science of teaching, learning and entrepreneurship. And, and I leaned heavily on making sure that name included the art and science, because I think so many conversations that I'm having with faculty about things that they like or that are working or things that aren't working. There's, there's an opportunity to say, well, you know, as a faculty member in your heart, you, you have a sense of the artistry of like why that's important. But let me, let me connect you to two or three articles. Like there's a study out of Stanford. There's this, you know, work out of Finland that are going to reinforce for you what you just uncovered. Yes. Right. This, this, so much of this has been out there for years. And again, we've been so busy doing our day to day and feeling good about our day to day that we haven't really thought about it. And now we have this opportunity to be really reflective. Um, it's, I hate to say there's a silver lining to the pandemic, but like it does feel like there's an opportunity for us to do some time, take some time to unpack this. Yeah. Um, so there's a bit of catharsis in letting people explore this. I, I definitely feel that way. And, you know, the, the, the phrase that I've kind of been landing on is that it's up to us as leaders of our, our communities to find the relevance of what's going on. Not, not that it is a silver lining or that we can say it happened for a reason, because I don't believe that. But I believe that we can help us find relevance for how it's going to make us better. In good times, we try to make our schools better. We, we don't get discharged from that when we have bad times. It's still our yeah. responsibility to take that and find the relevance and to make it matter, that, to make it really mean something for our future of our school. So I, I love that thought. Yeah, I mean, I heard the phrase today, somebody, one of our leadership shared, she was watching uh, an AIS uh, session. It's that, you know, you grow through conflict instead of you go through conflict, right? How are we gonna take and grow through what we've experienced? I wanna touch on one other thing that, that we saw today as we walked around um, on the tools before we move on, but, I just cannot imagine how much in the video conferencing and recording the world has changed in our teachers' minds from a year ago and the fact that if I would have asked a teacher a year ago, go record that lesson, or hey, why don't you Skype in that parent, Google Meet in that parent, Zoom in that parent, they would have looked at me like I had 17 heads, right? And now you walk through classrooms and they're just doing it on their own without yeah. any prodding. And I and I think about have you seen that? I, I assume that you're seeing that same, just that video yeah. piece, that communication and, and, and how much that's gone and how much that just in time learning for the teacher as opposed to that just in case learning. I never wanted to learn it just in case we ever had to do it. But now that they had to do it, they're 100% on board with it. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and the kids too. Like I, I had a student the other day that was like, Mr. Skelly, I, I got a problem with my iPad. I get this email and I said, great. Um, I'm in the global cafe in the mornings and they're like, well, do you have a minute? Could you just, could we set up a meet? And I'm like, well, yeah, I guess I should have thought of that first, but yes, we can set up right now. And you can share your screen with me and we take a look they're just different ways to interact. Um, I think it's also become so commonplace. It was really funny. One of my help desk folks um, got a request from a student. His keyboard wasn't working. And she said, well, just, you know, let's connect tomorrow morning. And he wrote her that morning and said, Hey, I'm not feeling well can we have a Google meet? And she's like, well, how am I replacing your keyboard over a Google meet? And he was like, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just so used to doing that. Like, <laughs> yeah, yes. I do. I do think that it has pushed our expectations threshold down that, that, that not only our expectations for uh, each other, but just even for ourselves that, you know, now some of our teachers that would have said to Jason, if he said, have a, a guest lecture come in via 
of video conferencing. He would have had four of his team members there for the teacher. Now the expectation is like, you, you're gonna figure it out. You got this, right? And, and I think it's really helpful for our teachers to take more risk and to know, because we've all failed a lot over the last many months here. So failure isn't quite as scary. We've been talking about it for a while, but I, I still think that this has been, again, one of the really opportunities for us is to help everybody understand that it's okay to fail at times and then you get through it and you, you do something good on the end. Yeah, and I think about your your point about, oh, if I'm gonna make seven videos, I'm gonna misspeak, right? I, I think about over the summer, we talked about, oh, I can turn my office into this professional's studio. And we're like, wait a minute, we don't wanna encourage the fact that you have to make that quality of a video. Mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I think that there was a lot of apprehension in the beginning. And now I see teachers like, no, here, this, this is me. This is who I am. The kids like it in class. They're going to like it out. And that lowers that barrier to entry so much that now anybody can leap over it. That's right. I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, as you think about the, that engagement piece and you think about as you look in your classrooms and you think about, you know, I love that idea of just those two days make such a difference in engagement with that relational aspect. Um, how are you seeing that the engagement is going to change both from the student side and the teacher side uh, in your school now and, and in the coming years? Yeah, I mean, I, so first I think what I'm really curious about is that initial hunger. Like we're, we're so ready to all be back and together, right? Um, so I think the idea that, that there'll be uh, like a honeymoon period, like we're, we're all just going to be so tickled that we're all back and like, you know, just kind of so excited about that. But what I'm really curious is about, you know, like October 1st of next year, like have we, have we gotten past that? Like, okay, yeah, I'm, I've, I've seen you now for six weeks and okay, it's over. Like we're back to we're back to the seniors being like, you know, pushing the boundaries and doing that stuff, which is natural and happens. Right. But, but our response to that, I'm, I'm curious to see if we have a different response as adults to be like, Oh man, just thinking about what last October looked like. We want to make sure this October works better. And, and the fact that we missed, you know, our traditional homecoming events last year, can we, do we, do we have a different emphasis on what that means this year and how we're going to lean into that and, and how we make it a little more student-centered because we're remembering why we do this. Um, so those are some of the big things that I'm, I'm thinking about moving forward. In the day-to-day, -day, I think you're already seeing, um, you know, we have half our middle school and upper school coming on red days and the other half coming on blue days. I think you're really seeing faculty lean into like, when I have them in front of me, that is such valuable time that I'm gonna make sure I'm leveraging it to my, the best of my ability. And, and you're seeing different things like the Google form I mentioned, like, you know, checking in with kids. I, I've had more teachers spend time, um, even with the virtual kids, uh, with their class. So I'm sorry, let me back up. We started by changing our schedule for the, the school year. So we have longer class periods. I think it's freed our faculty up to do more. That is um, the I hate to call it softer ends of curriculum, but like the relationship building. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm seeing teachers spending time at the beginning of class, checking in with kids and talking to kids about their day, their weekend. Um, I'm seeing them spend time having kids at home, show them their cat or their dog, or, you know what I mean? Like we're doing all that stuff that allows us to connect. And, and again, that, that makes me feel good that, that we're also leaning in having conversations that the schedule can't go backwards. It, the schedule has to stay similar to what it is now. 
the only thing we're all confident about is that it won't be the old schedule where we meet, you know, eight periods a day, 45 minute periods. We're going to longer periods. We're going to stretch things out. We're talking possibly about a later start time. Like there's just a lot of great conversation that to me is about well-being and, and in very student centered. Yeah, I love that. I, I, I've been thinking a lot in my head, and I think that, that you and I might have talked about this on, on the Atlas uh, happy hour or lunch thing. Um, I'm really thinking about learning in, in those two elements of transactional learning. What, what can I get to you that is facts-based, that is content-driven, whether that's um, you know, andragogical with, with teaching adults or if it's pedagogical with teaching students, and then that relational piece. And, and are we really embracing that there's a difference between the two that have to be done well to overlap to become one great classroom? And, and as I hear you and as I think about that, there's so many things that I've looked at in professional development or even in our meeting times as leadership, they're like, some of the transactional stuff actually works better like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We lose the relational if we don't. So can we push some of that online in some aspect, right? And that's the flip learning mm-hmm. concept. And then really capitalize on a relational time. So that, that's been something that's been going through my head. I don't know if that resonates with either of you guys. I think it does. And to me, it's interesting that I, I think it comes down to what Matt said earlier, though, is that we have to really that ask the why questions about it because if not, then you're 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 luck, you're likely going to pick the wrong thing to be transactional. We think we know which one is which, but we don't always know that, and we have to really understand what are the core elements that build the community and the relations. How are we can do that, and then we can place that where it needs to place. What are the things that are really merely transactional and what we do day to day? We have found that in a couple of our leadership meetings. Uh, you know, we use the Scrum method. You can see our Scrum board behind us here, and we use that all the time. And our Oogaloo meeting used to be an in-person meeting, and it, and it takes a little while longer than a normal stand. Um, but we found that it's so much more efficient in the video now. And we found it out because we did it a few times. And it is really transactional in a way. But we're, we're reporting out, and we're really reflecting. And that is a time that we have found to be very valuable. But there are other things that we have found, like we know that when we do a stand, we really need to be in person when we get a chance to be back there again, right? So I, I think that's the key is to really ask the great questions, as Matt said earlier. And I think that we have to understand that part of what we do at school, we always talk about how it feels and what it, you know, the, 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 the community, the family, but there's a lot of what we do that is transactional. Let's just own that and then do it really, really efficiently, I think. Yeah, I I can't help but think about too the layers of of kind of the well being and the and the transactional and relational. Like that, we're often pretty good at thinking about the individual piece, and we talk about ourselves as a community, but we often don't do the 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 work of deliberately and intentionally making sure the community is 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 well. And I think one of the pieces this year, on top of the pandemic. Is, is a lot of the work on diversity, equity, and inclusion has really helped us kind of be leaning into this idea of, okay, we, we need to check on the individual, we need to check on the classroom, we need to check on the grade level, we need to check on the community, the division, you know, and, and we need to be talking to everybody. And, um, and, and there is that balance between the individual's needs and the community's needs and how we make sure everything's getting kind of, uh, you know, aligned and met. Um, and then I'm, anyways, I, I just, I'm kind of spending a lot of time geeking out, thinking about those different layers and, and different opportunities. Yeah. And I, I also think to Mike's point that really 
thinking about the that sometimes we think transactional would be better online mm -hmm. and relational will be better in person. And I think about this conversation that we're having right now. I mean, we, I mean, I sit, saw Matt at conferences and we may have talked once a year if we were lucky outside of that. And through this time, we've talked, you know, twice a month. Yes. And, yeah. you know, we have, you know, the three of us have a much better relationship, I would say, today through all of this and, mm -hmm. and caused by this pandemic than we ever would have because our thought would be like, oh, man, we got to go see Matt. But that would have been like the one occasion instead of, why don't we talk to Matt every other week right. and uh, some of our other friends around the world every other week instead of waiting on those conferences and those times. So I think that really, as you were both saying, evaluating what's the why and how can we best achieve that and, and to build both of those and things. be intentional about it. Yeah. You know, that is the thing that, that we found with this is that we had to have some intention to get together um, that we wouldn't have had otherwise, but I sure hope we don't, won't, don't recess from that. You know, and I hope we, we will keep that forever. As you guys are talking about that, it makes me just think about like the, the hard work everybody's doing right now is basically to kind of sustain ourselves and survive the, the circumstances. But, but educators, like leaders, teachers, like they're, they, they do hard work all the time. Right. The yeah. difference about right now is that it's, it's not driven by like our desire to like get better at this or to, it's a, it's a different kind of, it's a slog. It's not uh, a hard work to see the outcome that we're hoping for. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, I'm really kind of curious about, you know, if we get through the summer and we're okay and we kind of get back to something a little more familiar, can, can people really invest in, it's not about not doing as much hard work. It's about doing hard work we believe in. It's about doing things that, that allow us to get back to the things we know are valuable and say, well, there's four or five other things I'm going to add to what I was doing because it's going to make me better at what I'm doing. Um, anyways, it, it, again, back to that escape philosophy, I just think there's an idea of like, it's not a conversation about fatigue and hard work. We get tired as educators. It, it just happens. I think what's not recharging us right now is the fact that, that it's not about this really exciting initiative that we're launching at our school. Right? It's not about this, oh my gosh, we found a way that we can really make eighth grade way more dynamic than it was before. Mm -hmm. it's, it's about, you know, masks and sanitizer and, and keeping people safe, which is important, but it's not, it's not filling our buckets right now. Well, uh, you know, Matt, I, I've used the analogy this year with our faculty many times about stretching. And, uh, you know, I talk about what, when you stretch yourself um, and you're doing it on purpose. First of all, we don't usually stretch ourselves as much as we really can be stretched because we stop. Um, but but we, we do it. But when somebody else is stretching you, if you've ever gone to a physical therapist, you're like, oh, wow. <laughs> it's not the same. and It feels different. Well, this year we've had someone else stretching us, right? We, we've been stretched yeah. outside normally we do. It's not that normal, I almost touch my toes stretch. It's like I've been bent over backwards this year. I do believe it's been uncomfortable. I believe if we can lean into the fact that we know now we can be stretched more than we ever thought we could before, that, that we have opportunities going forward. I hope our faculty will now say next time they're stretching themselves in the really fun stuff, they'll say, you know what? I can actually go a lot further than I, I'm, I'm going right now because I did it last year. And I'm going to go further on this 
not because I can, but also because this is fun now, because this is what I love about being an educator. And so that's my real hope for all of us, that we won't forget and we won't let these new muscles we've all developed, uh, you know, fade away. I, I couldn't agree with you more, Mike. I, I think that's so, that's such a great analogy, right? Like it's, it's just about, um, I mean, I, I love it. It's just being stretched. I mean, one of the, my favorite quotes, and I'm, I'm never going to remember who it was from, but it was basically like, if you want to build a great boat, oh, yeah. don't encourage people to learn about boats, encourage people to love the water. That's right. Yeah. And people that live around the water and love the water can tell you a lot about what you need in a boat, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's where I think we're able to take this experience and lean into like, let's get back to our passion for, for teaching and learning and working with children. Like, let's just get really focused on that for a little bit and get back to what we know. And we're going to build some great boats and we're going to have some wonderful opportunities. But if we set out to just build a boat, we're going to miss the mark. Okay. If we just hone the opportunity to be passionate about the work we do, I think we're going to see some, some really exciting stuff come out of that. I agree. I agree. I mean, I, I've, I've said that, that the one thing that this, the biggest thing that this has done for me as an educator is it's reinforced what I love about being an educator. And it's really pointed out to me um, that, that I need to find that fuel going forward and find ways to, to, to be near the water, to use your analogy, right? Because mm-hmm. I know I love the water. I didn't realize how much I love the water. I might have thought I loved that boat, but I really love the water. Mm-hmm. And, and if I live too far inland, that I'm not going to be happy being an educator, yeah. you know, in that analogy. And that, that to me, I hope that people have identified what water do they love and how can they live near that water um, through this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the other piece that's exciting for me is that we've got all these tech tools in play that are giving us data and, and different sets of data. And, and then there's even richer tools that are just on the horizon. I was talking to a vendor the other day and they're, they're developing a system that when your teachers teach, they just record the audio and the AI breaks it down to give the teacher a report on how many questions were asked by the teacher, how many questions were asked by the student. Like, and it's not meant to be a judgment or a critique. It's simply meant to be data points. Mm-hmm. So you as a teacher can say, okay, well, here's what I was trying to do today. And well, crap, if, if I spent 45 minutes talking, I missed my mark on what I was trying to accomplish and what I was hoping for, for the kids. Okay. If I'm asking 17 questions, a class period, I think I'm a better teacher. Well, now I've got data and I can check in on myself and I can kind of mom. And, and I don't need an administrator in the back of the room making tally marks on a clipboard. I can do this myself. I can just set up my iPhone and record myself. Like there's just some really neat things that are coming. I think as we're kind of doing this reflective work about what we learned, there's also this opportunity, this convergence where the tools are going to allow us to let teachers really do some self analysis and, and get good at the craft of, of teaching. And, and I, that, that excites me so much. I, I'm, I'm really curious about artificial intelligence and some of the systems that are coming online that, that support the work that we're trying to pull off. Absolutely. Well, we've uh, obviously been playing with VR a lot today. We were actually in um, our new uh, virtual environment. Some of our 
10 boxers will be joining us, including Matt, very soon, uh, jumping into our, our VR sandbox. And, and it's just amazing what we're seeing in that area. You know, thinking about how much that's advanced. And then, uh, you know, two years ago, when we jumped in the VR world. Where it is now is, is leaps and bounds. And to know that that's going to continue to grow, it is certainly an exciting time for all of us. And I think that really draws me to uh, our last question for Matt. Uh, before we we kind of take this last topic and wrap up, but but as you think about all those possibilities, AI, VR, all the things that are out there on the horizon, what what is really kind of formulating in your head, or do you already have in your head what what your next moonshot is, what your next really big idea that that you're passionate about, thinking long term about. So I, I get to teach a class called the Art and Science of Teaching. It's uh, for juniors and seniors that, that might be curious about becoming an educator. And so um, it, this course is, is a, you know, it's an experiential piece. Because we're a K-12 campus, we have an opportunity to like, go do interactive read-alouds with kindergarten and, you know, some of that work. And I also, in the summers, work for the Southern Association of Independent Schools doing some of their new teacher institutes. And so the, the idea of developing young teachers or developing folks new to the field has always been something that's really kind of been an area of, of passion and curiosity for me. So the, the big piece for me is, and I just mentioned the, the audio and the artificial intelligence, but, but really trying to put together programs and tools that allow teachers to really kind of be their own coach and to, to have the, again, the art and science, the, the data to partner with what I know in my gut, right? Like that, that gut feeling that makes you hold a kid after class and have a conversation because something's not right. So many teachers have that radar. They couldn't tell you like, well, oh no. So he, he tapped his pencil five more times than he normally, like they don't, they can't break it down into quantitative, like this is why I pulled that kid aside, but just something their spider senses were tingling and they, 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 they moved on it. Right. I, I hope we can blend those pieces together and, and create a, su a suite of tools that allow people to at different points in their career, really explore the things that they, they want to do to make themselves better as a teacher. So like the, the big moonshot for me is kind of building this, this opportunity for, for a group of teachers to kind of build a cohort and, and really not need a division head or not need a department chair to drive it or to manage it, but to just have a group of teachers that are like, I'm going to really work for the next 18 months on honing my craft. And I've got, I've got two or three really compelling questions. And I know if I use these tools with this question and I get a couple of people that I can kind of have this moment, like we're having right now to talk about the stuff that I get excited about or the stuff that I'm working on in my classroom, how the whole community is going to benefit from that and how, you know, just basically the high tide lifts all boats. I am not a mariner. I swear to I don't know why all these, <laughs> today, but, um, but again, that idea that just, just the, the work of doing the small incremental changes that, that will make everything kind of move forward. Um, Brandon Sanderson is a, a fantasy science fiction writer that I really enjoy. And in one of his stories, um, there's these two characters sitting there talking and, the, the younger character turns to the wise character and says, like, I just don't understand that. And the wise character says, well, here, here's the deal. There's two kinds of people, right? There's the person that sees the boulder of hill, boulder of time rolling down the hill and they jump in front of it and it squashes them. And they didn't make any difference. 
And the other one is the person that walks alongside the boulder while it's rolling down the hill and say, look what I just did. I squashed that person. And they really didn't do anything. They're just drawing observation. And the younger character is really not satisfied with that. He says, surely that's not all there is. And the wise character says, well, you know what? There is one other person, type of person. He says, there's those that walk alongside the boulder of time and they observe it and they watch it and they wait for just the right moment and they give it just the gentlest push and it changes its path and it changes everything. And, and that's the kind of work that I think you know, often we're looking for this big, massive tectonic shift. We're looking for this innovative program that's going to change everything. And I, I think, I feel like, especially coming off the pandemic, that it's time to look for that place, that gentle nudge that's going to shift the path that, that is the long-term goal of, of changing everything. It's not going to be the next six months that are going to be wildly better. But boy, five, six years from now, we're going to be in a much different place and it's going to, we, we will have set the table for that, that long-term vision of, of being better at what we're doing. That, that's really kind of what I'm geeking out on and what I'm trying to figure out how we set the stage for that kind of growth. Mm-hmm. That's super cool. There's two things that resonated with me and what you just said. The first is something that I struggle with all the time and we struggle with, and we talk about a lot and that's measure what matters right? How do we define what matters to be successful as a teacher? And then how do we measure that? How do we measure that gut feeling and that intervention? And yet, how do we measure those elements that I can measure with AI, right? And I think that if we can ever figure out how to do that in our classrooms and in any kind of learning setting, that's going to make such a big difference in, in how we're going through that. And then what you just described about nudging the boulder is, is really where we came to with when we defined innovation, right? Because everybody's like, what's innovation? And innovation has to be this huge moonshot or it has to be this huge change. And, and yes, we want that, but in our opinion, innovation is that nudge, right? And, and how do we define that nudge? You know, that, that that's why we use Scrum, that we're gonna try to accomplish these things. And these are all the nudge points along the way that's gonna lead to that innovation. And that's, I don't know how, how you kind of process. I'd love to hear your thoughts on what Matt just said, but that those are the two things that really resonated with me. Yeah, I mean, I, I, there, there are a lot of things that you got me pondering already, but the first one is just this idea about how we empower teachers to make themselves better. Uh, I think for so long, we have always had this external force will make a great teacher, uh, but I don't think none of, any of us really believe that's really how it works, though. We all know that great teachers are made internally. But how do we give them tools that will help them evaluate, help them really reflect, uh, and then give them time to do that? I mean, too many times schools don't give teachers time to reflect on what did go well today. If we can speed it up with AI, great. But we certainly have to have time for them to ponder that and then figure out what they can do with it. So that's what I'm thinking a lot about with um, our faculty. How can we help grow them? How can we help recruit great teachers? And then also, how can we compensate them in a way that it makes it make more sense in our world today, too? So those are all things I'm, I'm really curious about right now. Oh, that sounds great. Well, I, I mean, I don't know how we're going to have an episode two after this episode one. Um, <laughs> You know, first and final. Hey, I mean, it was it was a great run at our uh, all of our uh, Aces uh, sandbox yeah. chat, and uh, <laughs> I, I I yeah. think it's 
kind of like that pilot episode of all our favorite shows. You go back and watch the pilot, and it's never as good as you thought it was. <laughs> and all the shows that come after it get better, right? Oh, yeah. Well, Matt, yeah. thank you so much for, I mean, first of all, joining us today in this first sandbox chat. But more importantly, thank you for being an inspiration to us. You're a great friend, but you always keep us thinking, uh, just like everyone a witness today in this chat, you do that on a regular basis as we get a chance to talk and to wrestle through what we love about school together. So thank you for all you do for all of us. Well, and I just, I got to throw it back at you. I, I, it is the highlight of, of my week to get, be able to connect with you guys. It's such an opportunity to kind of rise above the, the day-to-day concerns and, and kind of get out of the tactical and start thinking about the strategic and kind of play with big ideas. So back at you. Thank you so much for the opportunities. It's always so much fun to connect with you guys. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Matt. Take care. That's our <laughs> cool theme music that you'll start soon be hearing. Well, look at that.